Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. What do you think of when you think of the Christmas season? What's the spirit of the season? Just shout it out. What do you think? What do you think? Trees? Cookies? Did somebody say drugs? That's not right. <laughs> Hot chocolate? Well, anybody else? Do what? Santa, oh yeah, how did we forget the big man himself? Santa Claus. Jesus, finally somebody came, you know, this came up with a Sunday school answer, right? Um, there are a lot of things that we think about when we think of the spirit of the season, um, but not to be a buzzkill, but did you know there are some other spirits of the season that are kind of dark? Uh, Christmas, they say, people, uh, people consume, consume and abuse alcohol more, more during the holiday season than any other time. They say that depression is higher during the holidays than any other time. Um, they say that the, the people that feel lonely and feel alone is higher during the holidays than any other time because for some people that means they don't get to spend it for the first time ever with somebody that they love that passed away. Or there are people that, you know, last Christmas their family was together and this year their family is apart so there's a feeling of loneliness. And probably the most like sobering thing is that teen suicide is the highest during this time of year than any other time. Christmas brings a lot of powerful feelings to our mind and to our hearts. But what we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks is this, that Christmas is not about the sound and about the lights. Christmas is actually a story of worship and worship of Jesus. And we're going to be talking about what it means to actually worship God over the next few uh, weeks. And we're going to be talking about how the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of the season, is actually worship. If you were to open your Bible, you'd see that all throughout the, the Christmas story in Matthew and in Luke, everybody's reaction to Jesus when he was born was worship. We're going to be talking about that. You know, what does worship mean? Does it mean to like stand and like wave your arms in the air like a monkey? You know, does it mean to crawl around on the ground? Um, does it mean to scream and shout? What does worship mean? We're going to be talking about that. But if you have your Bible, um, I want you to open up um, to Luke chapter 1. And as you're turning there, we're going to be uh, learning why worship is the real spirit of the season. And we're going to be learning about someone who wrote the first worship Christmas song ever. Any idea who that might be? Not Michael W. Smith. Somebody said Michael W. Smith. Do what? Yeah, we talked about that in our tag. Um, Yeah, spoiler alert. um, The first person to write a Christmas carol was a teen mom named Mary. And we're going to be looking over the next two weeks at two songs. Two songs of the Christmas season that we find in the Bible. And the first is a song sung by Mary. But... Before we read this section in the Bible, I want to explain to you what's going on in Mary's life. Most scholars believe that Mary's maybe between the age of 14 and 15. Where are my 14 and 15-year-olds in, in, in the room? I know we have, yeah, quite a few of them. So Mary was between 14 and 15, and things happened a little faster back then, so Mary was already engaged to this good guy named Joseph. I guess he was tall, dark, and handsome, six foot two, you know, Everything you'd ever want in a man. 
I don't know what you want in a man. Um, and she was engaged to Joseph, and everything was going great. But then she gets a visit from an angel. And this angel's like, hey, Mary, I got some news for you. You're pregnant. And Mary's like, wait, I've already had health class at Cabell Midland High School. I know how people get pregnant, and I haven't done that thing that you have to do in order to get pregnant. And the angel's like, no, 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 this is different. You are pregnant with the Son of God. And she's like, hold on, this can't, how can this be? How can this happen? And, you know, and, and, the, and the angel explains that God has chosen Mary to be the one through whom the, the Savior, like the Messiah, is born. And after Mary kind of, you know, you gets a grip on things and, and, and processes what's been told, she says, hey, I'm God's servant. I'll do whatever I need to do. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, okay, I'm on board. And then the angel goes to Mary's uh, fiance, I guess you could say Joseph, and she's like, now Joseph, you need to know something. Your fiance is pregnant, but she's not been running around on you with Robert over there. She, she's been given a special mission from God, and you need to marry her. So Joseph says, okay, I'll marry her. At the same time, Mary has this old cousin. Any of y'all, you have a cousin that's like way older than you. I have a cousin that's like 20 years older than me. It's weird. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have a cousin that's way older. Mary had a cousin that was like way, way, way older than her, probably in her 40s or 50s. You know, Mary's maybe 15 years old. She has like a 40, 50-year-old cousin. It happens. It's possible, you know. And she has this old cousin who has never been able to have a baby. And all of a sudden, this angel visits Mary's cousin and her husband and says, hey, you guys are going to have a baby, and this baby's going to proclaim the coming of Jesus so when Mary finds out she's pregnant, she makes a trip up to visit her geriatrically pregnant cousin, Elizabeth, and she's like, hey, Elizabeth, you'll never guess what happened. And Elizabeth's like, oh no, you'll never guess what happened to me. You know, after years and years and years and years and years, old, my old husband, Zachariah, finally came through here, and I'm pregnant, and you know, God, God has blessed me, and Mary says, hey, I'm pregnant too. And what the Bible says in Luke 1 is that when Mary and Elizabeth came, like, they came together in the same room, that Elizabeth's baby that was in her tummy started kicking like crazy and celebrating that he was in the same room with Jesus. Kind of cool, right? We, were, you know, and we, we realized that you know, you know, unborn babies have emotions and have thoughts, and it's really, it's really a shame that our country has killed about 100 million of those little babies and that the Supreme Court's getting ready to rule in the next few weeks about whether or not an unborn baby is allowed to live in America. That's not even the point of this, this lesson, but it's something to think about, right? So all this is going on. The baby's kicking, and Elizabeth's like, hey, Mary, you've got this awesome thing that's going on. You're going to be carrying the Messiah. You're going to be carrying Jesus. And Mary is just overwhelmed with all the incredible things that God is doing in her life. And she writes that she doesn't write it she just says it. many people believe that it, she sang it as a song like she's freestyling here like <laughs> like she's just making it up as she go like I know we have a couple some aspiring like 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 you know, freestylers in our group like she's freestyling here you know, it, it's possible that the first Christmas carol was it was a freestyle rap I don't know probably not um, but here's what she says the verses are on the screens if you're in Luke chapter 1 it's in starting in verse 46. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
For he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. He who's mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, the rich he sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, his offspring forever. That's pretty impressive for off the cuff, right? That's pretty impressive. She just like came up with that. Like give it, well, she's not here, but I just think, give it up for Mary. Like that's awesome, right? Yeah, I'm sure Mary, Mary is glad. Um, so this is the first Christmas carol, the first Christmas song. And it came out of Mary as she was so excited that God had chosen her. And she decides to worship God leading up to Christmas. So we're going to learn four things about worship from Mary's song here. So I know some of y'all, you, know, you like to take notes. You know, you like to write it. They're all R words that we learn about Mary. And I've got some H words for you later tonight. No F words tonight. But yeah, they're all R words that we learn about Mary and how she worshiped. And the first one that we learn is that Mary... Uh, worshiped in worship is recognizing who God is. Look at that first verse. I got it on the screen there. It says, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. How many of y'all, when you were kids, you would take magnifying glasses and like light leaves on fire? Any pyromaniac? You can, it's okay to be a pyromaniac at refuel. Okay, good, good. So, um, so in, in, you know what, how magnifying glass takes something and, and it brings it close so you can see what it really is? Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Did you know that you are three parts? There are three parts to you. The Bible says every person has three parts to them, a body, a soul, and a spirit. The body is how we interact with the world. It's, it's, it's aware of what's around us. Our soul is aware of ourselves. It's that like ongoing conversation you have in your head, you know, like that running commentary you have on your life. And then our spirit is God aware. It's how we relate to God. So Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. So after all this incredible stuff is going on, Mary says, I want to turn my attention to how great God is. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Uh, what's really incredible is that she took what could be something she would use like as prideful and turned it back to God. You ever watch those like post-game like, like interviews where they like interview the coach or they interview like a, a football player and, and the players usually that wins is pretty proud. It's like, yeah, yeah, like we did a really good job. I put a lot of work in. I'm glad my work's finally paying off. I can imagine if Mary was interviewed like after she gave birth to Jesus and you know, she'd be like, yeah, you know, you know, it was hard, but you know, I, I put in a lot of work. I did my best to try to be a good person and I, I'm just glad that God recognized how good I was and, 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 and you know, that all my hard work paid off and I was able to be a part of this and have Jesus, you know, Messiah. Uh, so I want to thank my mom. I want to thank my friends and family. And, you know, you know, there's no pride here. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Who is it? I'm going to ask you, see if you can get this one. Who, who is the person that talks to you the most in your life? Who's the person that talks to you the most in your life? Some of you may say you're like a friend, like somebody you're sitting next to. Some of you may say like a sibling parents. So just shout it out. Who's the person that talks to you most in your life, you think? Nobody. Okay. Somebody actually said it, but did you, do you know the person who talks the most to you is you? 
Think about it. You're oh, everything you do, you have a constant commentary running in your head. That's your soul. That's being self-aware. And do you see what Mary did? She took that commentary that was always running in her head. Like you know, you're thinking about what you want to eat after after you let out, after we let out here. You're thinking about the homework you have to do. You're thinking about how terrible or how great that your day is going to be tomorrow. You're thinking about the game that you're going to play tomorrow. You, you have this constant comment. She takes all that she's worried about and she's excited about, and she turns it back to God and says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's given God all the glory. There's a, a clip I want you to watch. I'm not a Colts fan. Anybody here a Colts fan? Not many people are Colts fans. But the, Col- uh, the, the head coach of the Colts, his name's Frank Wright, and he led the Colts to beat the Bills, and they were not supposed to beat the Bills. And at a press conference after the game, he said something that was very impressive. So we're going to play that video. I want you to listen to what he's saying here. And I want to give a personal account to where I found my strength for the journey. The reason I'm doing that here and now is because almost 30 years ago, in a really, after a really big game, right down the hall in a press conference, I shared the lyrics to a song that meant a lot to me, that really spoke to where, where I get my strength from. And uh, the song's In Christ Alone, and it's written by Sean Craig. I'm not going to recite the whole song like I did in the locker room back in 1993, but I do want to just share a very small snippet of it that might encourage someone who's climbing the road mountain right now. It says this, the chorus says, In Christ Alone I Place My Trust. And I find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is Christ alone. And then there's one small snippet in the second verse, which is my favorite line, favorite lyric says, I seek no greater honor than just to know him more. <clears throat> so even, even though it was almost 30 years ago when I read those words here in this stadium, this week I was reminded, Hebrews 13:8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's crazy, but we're here, but we're here some 30 years later, not living in the past, but rather attempting to press on to what is ahead. So my encouragement is to keep climbing and to find the strength and power that you need in Jesus Christ. So that was impressive. An NFL head football coach got one of the biggest wins of his career. Coach, the one of the biggest wins of his career. Everybody's asking him, like, what's your secret? Like, like well, how do you feel? Like, and, and instead of saying, well, you know, or, yeah, I worked really hard. I studied a lot of film. He says, it's all God. Jesus deserves the glory. That's what you see Mary here doing. She says, it's not about me. It's not how great I am. My soul magnifies the Lord. So the first is we need to recognize God for who he is, how great he is, and how powerful he is. Um, the second R word is worship is rejoicing in the gospel. This is really interesting. Look at what Mary says in verse uh, 47. She says, my spirit, and that's the God-aware part of our person, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. A lot of people get Mary totally wrong. They think Mary was some kind of perfect person who never did anything wrong, and that's why God chose her. But you notice what she says here? My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. If Mary was perfect, why did she need a Savior? The point is this, that Mary and you and me all face the same problem. The problem is that we are sinners. 
Our God-aware part, our spirit, has turned away from him. We do things that are wrong, and if you think you don't do anything wrong, let me talk to your parents or let me talk to you be- your best friend. They will, they will give me all the dirt on you that I will ever need, right? None of us have done everything right. None of us are perfect, and that puts us in a place where, where without, without, without Jesus, without a Savior, it's death. The wages of sin is death. Mary knew she needed a Savior. She got the news that God chose her to carry and be the mom of the Savior. And she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary had sin in her life. She was a, a virtuous lady, virtuous teenage girl, teenage mom, but she wasn't perfect. She needed a Savior. You may do some good things, I try to do some good things, but I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect, and we need a Savior. And Christmas is a reminder that God loved us. You know, John 3, 16, God loved the world so much that he sent his son to save us. When's the last time you actually rejoiced in the fact that you're saved? If you are saved, and you know you're saved. Rejoice in the gospel. Yeah, I've got a picture here of somebody. Yeah, if I had amnesia, how would I know? That's like one of those mind-blowing things, you know. Is it possible that some of us who are saved, we suffer from gospel amnesia, forgetting that just as we needed Jesus to save us, we need Jesus to help us grow in obedience to him? You know, way too many Christians forget that they need Jesus, Way too many Christians walk around with their nose in the air acting like their poop don't stink, acting like they're better than everybody else, and they forget that they need Jesus. You need Jesus. And when you realize how desperate you are for Jesus, how you rely on him every day, you start rejoicing in the gospel. The next R word, your worship is, 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 is realizing how great God is. Worship is rejoicing in the gospel. Worship is reflecting on God's goodness. We can't go verse by verse through here, but look, if you looked at verses 48, through 55, you would see that Mary started praising God for all the good things he did. The first, she praises God for the good things he did for her. And I think as teenagers, you would like to see this. Look at verse 48. He says, she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he's looked at the humble estate of his servant. Mary was a 15-year-old girl, and she says that she was from humble estate. And what most people believe that means is that she was from a lower income class of people in this little town called Nazareth. So yeah, Mary wasn't the one that was getting all the likes on Instagram. Mary wasn't the one that had like bukus of money to shell out for a prom dress. You know, Mary wasn't someone you know, you know, who, whose parents were well looked upon and respected in the community. Mary was an ordinary, generally kind of poor teenage girl who if we were to go into that town and find somebody who we think should be God's mom, which is what she essentially was, we probably wouldn't have picked her. But she says, God looked on me. It's a reminder that God doesn't just see the people that are influential. God doesn't just look at the people that everybody else in your school looks at. God looks at you. Even though you sit in a classroom and you feel like nobody else cares about you, everybody else is having their own conversation, you're just sitting there like a bump on a log, God sees you. And Christmas is a reminder of that, that God sent Jesus to earth, and Jesus was born in one of the poorest of circumstances that you could be born into. God sees people that the world says don't matter. And we can rejoice in how good God is and that he sees middle school guys. He sees middle school girls. He sees high school girls. He sees high school guys. He knows your name. He, the Bible says he even has the hairs 
on your head numbered. That's how well God knows you. So we're reminded how good God is. We could go all the way through. She praises God that he does things for other people. She praises God that he never forgot his promise to Israel. She praises God for who he is and what he did. Sometimes we need to stop and think about all the good things that God has done for us. That's one of the reasons we do high, low, and tag, is to stop and think about what God's been doing in our lives. The, the final R word that we see when it comes to worship, worship isn't just reflecting on God's goodness. Worship is responding with obedience. Mary's words were backed up by her lifestyle. Verse 38, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not in the verses we read, but if you look back to verse 38, when this angel like just spilled all this stuff on her and was like, hey, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. Oh, by the way, you're pregnant, you know, da, 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 da. She's, what did she say? Did she say, hey, you need to find somebody else to do this. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm engaged. I just don't have the time for that. Like, I couldn't do that. I don't want that responsibility. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Mary said some, incre- said some incredible words here. I would encourage you, go home and read these over and let them sink in. Mary has some incredible words here, but Mary's worship was more than words. Don't miss this. She worshiped with her life. She li- didn't just sing for God like we do on Wednesdays and like we do on Sundays. She lived for God on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. There's a song that is, is not super popular, but it's written by a guy named Jimmy Needham. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But he has, a song, he, has, he has a song that he wrote, and the chorus says, we can sing all we want to and still get it wrong because worship is more than a song. And can I say, I think a lot of Christians, they sing a lot but still get it wrong because to them worship is just a song. Mary obeyed. Jesus. What's the greatest thing you can give Jesus for Christmas? Isn't it funny? Like, we take Jesus' birthday and we get the gifts? Like, 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 like that's wrong, <laughs> right? Uh, what's, what could we give Jesus for Christmas? I think more than the words that we sing to him, he wants our life. He wants us to live for him in the hallways of schools, at work, at Marshall football games, at Huntington High Championship games, right? Go Highlanders, right? Um, I'm allowed to say that. They're the only team left from here. So I'm allowed to say that now. Um, but um, God wants our lives. He wants our obedience. He doesn't just want our words. So how do we apply this? I got four H words for you. How do we apply Mary's song? How do we worship through Mary's song and turn it into an act of worship to God? Four H words. And the first is hush. Look at the person next to you say hush. Look at the person next to you. Say it with a little soul. Say hush yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right? Here's the problem. You want to know why most of us, we, we, we struggle in the area of worship? It is because we can't take the time to think about the goodness of God. We have bad attitudes because we think our life is terrible because instead of thinking about what God is doing in our lives, we scroll through our Instagram stories and our Instagram feed and see how much everybody else is doing and how great their life is. We watch a bunch of mind-numbing TikToks, and our thumb has permanent, probably nerve damage from just right. And we never have we never have time to meditate to think about God's goodness because Netflix and TikTok are doing the meditation and the thinking and the reflection for us. Sometimes 
And I'd say most of the time, what you need and what I need is quiet to think about how great God is. So the first thing we need to do this Christmas season, we need to hush. We think about what God did this Christmas. The next is honest. We need to get real about how much we need Jesus. We need to stop pretending like we have it all together. Maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. You don't know what it means to be saved, or you've never been saved. You don't know if you have an eternity in heaven waiting for you when you die or not. Here's the good news. You can know for sure. The Bible says that God sent his son so that those who believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. You're saved by believing that when Jesus died, he died for your sins. And for those of us that have believed that and we've trusted and we're saved, why do we live like everything depends on us when Jesus has already done it all for us? The next one, hype. We need to hype God up. We need to hype Jesus up. We need to, I I don't know if I was a little too like salty when I was writing all this, but I wrote, get over yourself. So maybe that sounds a little too harsh, but just look to the person next to you and say, get over yourself. Okay? Yeah, maybe that'll take the sting out a little bit. you know what we need? I'm, I'm trying to say this as nice as I can. You know what we need to do as Christians? We're Christians. We're not Mas- Mat- Mattians. We're not Joshians, right? We're not, who, yeah, we're, we're not Cadians, right? Well, he, he, Christian is a Christian. Uh, but <laughs> for everybody other than Christian, this applies. You know, we are Christians. We need to get over ourselves. We need to make our lives spotlights on Jesus instead of mirrors on us. You follow me? We, we, we've, we've got to hype God up. Mary is, is talking to her geriatric old person cousin. She's telling her how great God is. That means teenagers can tell old people how great God is. It could be the other way around, right? I think the old people need to learn a few things from you, right? Hype God up. Stop hyping yourself up and hype God up. That's worship. And then the final one, of course, is honor. God wants our lives. The question is, we already know what God did for us on Christmas. He left the glory of heaven and came down to this dust ball called earth. The question is, what are you gonna do for God this Christmas to honor him? Short-term stuff, it could be as simple as adopting a backpack kid. It could be as easy or simple as saying, you know what, I'm gonna go to that mission trip meeting and consider serving God in the summer. What about your long-term are you going to honor God with your career? Have you even thought about how the college choice that you're considering would honor God? Have you thought about that ding-a-ling that you're dating, whether or not you can honor God through that relationship? Not all of you are dating ding-a-lings, but some of you probably are, so I'm just throwing it out there. Have you thought about how you can honor God with some of those big, long-term decisions in your life? We need to honor God. Worshiping is honoring God, living a life that points back to Him. So worship is the spirit of the season. And what we're doing during this series is we're cutting the lesson time down just a little bit so that we can do a song at the end since this is a worship, this is a worship series. So I'm gonna ask our band if they'll come back up. And some of you remember when we did this with hymns, we're gonna have a turn down song to end. We're not gonna necessarily put somebody in the middle and pray. We're just gonna have a turn down song to end and then we're gonna dismiss what I want you to do is I want you to come up here and I want you to just kind of like find a seat and sit here up front. Get cozy. Come on up here up front. Find a seat or, you know, don't find a seat. Find a place on the, on the carpet here and get cozy. I don't know. 
It's on a weight loss program. We're going we're gonna to now spend some moments. This may be the only quiet you get all night. We're going to spend a moment praising God, thanking Him. We're going to sing this song, Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel, as this hope candle's burning. We're going to remember how Jesus came to us and brought hope into the world. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing, and when the song is over, you're dismissed. I'll see you in the back there. I'm going to be handing out calendars, winter calendars, okay? So I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing, and we're going to make like a baby and get head out of here, okay? So, uh, sorry, I killed the moment. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus. Christmas is a reminder of the length and the extent to which you would go to save us. That you would leave heaven where you were worshipped 24-7. And you would come to earth where you were rejected even by your own family and your own people. You knew that would happen and you still came. You knew that the cross would be the most unbearable pain anyone could have ever experienced. You knew that the weight of our sins would be hanging on you. And you still came to save us. Lord, what could we do other than say something similar to what Mary said, that our soul magnifies the Lord and that our spirit rejoices in you, our Savior. So Lord, I pray that as we sing that our hearts will rejoice in you, our Savior that came down to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.